Hey, it's EDB. That's Eric Deshaun Barron. Today, I want to focus on what King David has in common with people leaving church, old people being alone, Donald and the radical right, and young people being depressed. Yeah, I want to talk about that, all that, for this day six of month eight, 2023. We'll be in Psalm 61, one, when our Sunday meditation begins in just a few moments. Well, good morning, afternoon, evening, night, all of you Australian people and Brazilian folks, you Lagos, Nigerian people, uh, all over the world. It's a good thing to be with you on this morning. This afternoon, should I say, it's Family and Friends Day. Some churches are celebrating that today, family and friends. And so it's a great opportunity uh, this morning to think about your family and your friends and uh, to wish everybody well when you get off the line this morning or even before you get off the line. You might want to text a friend or family member and tell them good morning and uh, or happy Sunday. Maybe they want to come jump, but even if not now, then later on in our time together, they may want to come and join with us. So that's something to bring up. Uh, in our prayers this morning, uh, we want to pray about uh, uh, some things that are happening around us. I don't really like to uh, focus on the news, but I think that every now and again there's some things that happens out there that might be worthy of our attention. And so we would like to spend some time focusing on that. Uh, in New York, there was a young man who was stabbed by a 17-year-old. You might have heard about that on your TV. The O'Shea Sibley family. Uh, so keep those members in your prayers and thoughts. In Mississippi... There is the case heading up towards uh, the Supreme Court, if you will, or to the court, if you will, in Mississippi, um, for two police officers who pled guilty today or earlier for uh, crimes against two black men. So keep them in your prayer, uh, the Mississippi people. And down at Virginia Beach, close to home, there are some issues where they're trying to put a, a facility, a plant, a power plant in the middle of SeaTac, right there in the middle of the historic black neighborhood. They're trying to do some stuff down there. And there, they met at New Jerusalem Church of God in Christ on yesterday to, to uh voice their concerns about that. Hmm. 
to keep them in your prayers. And Norfolk just finalized the purchase of uh, MacArthur Center. That that's now in the hands of the city. Hmm. And so they're trying to figure out what to do with that. Nobody really knows what's going on down there. So that's something else to put in your prayers. A lot to pray about today. A lot to focus on today. A lot to be aware about today. So we will do those things. Mama Bell, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Fine, fine. Well, it's good to be with you. And I'm sure you want to go over there and bang on the keys a little bit. I'm right. I'm already in place, ready, ready. All right. You can bang any time you get ready while we are meditating on those lovely things we just discussed. All right. Take particular interest in the name of this song. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. You, you know I got that the first time you played it. I I, I, I heard it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, Jesus I is our best friend. Yes. Yes. Well, Brother Dennis is still away. Uh, he's probably out on the Cancun Island somewhere. <laughs> Sipping out the coconuts. 
And uh, so we're wishing him well as he is out doing what he is doing. And uh, sooner or later we'll go and send out the FBI to find out where he is. But for right now, it's a great time to welcome and uh, glad you're with us. Now, you know, if you was like me, you probably took this time to go and find a friend or somebody to talk to. Mama Bell just played, what a friend we have. But you might have some, well, some secondary friends. They don't match up to Jesus, of course, but they're secondary. And you might have told them to come on in. You might have sent them a text, just slid them the number told me to dial and come on in. Uh, if not, you still have an opportunity to do that. Uh, Mom Bell is going to come back, and and uh, she just told us about a friend and who he was, and then she's going to tell us in a minute why he's a friend. Uh, but before she does that, uh, we also want to uh, recognize our uh, the pastor is here. Pastor Booth is here. He'll pray for us in just a few moments on the other end of Mama Bell. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that we uh, acknowledge his presence. Uh, but that's on the other end of Mama Bell. She's, as I said, she comes back to tell us why Jesus is a friend. Uh, but before, uh, you can open your Bible and to Psalm 61, and you can read this at your time. I'm just going to read our focal point this morning, or afternoon, or evening. Listening, I thank you and appreciate you for doing stuff. Psalm 61 and one. It says, "God, hear my cry. Pay attention." To my prayer. That's all. God, hear my cry and pay attention to my prayer. Mama Bell, you got something to tell us, don't you? Oh, okay. Thank you. 
your ambassadors. We can come to you as your people. And God, as we come this morning, you said that we can cast all of our cares upon you because you love it and you care it for us. And, Father, God, you said that you understand our cry. You even said that our tears have a message in it, and you understand our tears. And, Father, as we come this morning, Lord God, we bring to you family issues. We come to you, we bring physical issues. Oh, God, we come, we bring to you, Lord God, issues that's in our communities. Lord God, we come, we bring you issues that are in our nation. And, Lord God, we cover everything, issues that are in our world. God, there is nothing too hard for you. There is nothing too far-fetched that you cannot work out and you cannot fix, Lord. You even told us about the healing of our bodies. You said that you was wounded for our transgression. You was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon you, and by your stripes we are healed. We thank you for purchasing our healing. We thank you for purchasing our salvation. And therefore, Lord God, not only do we ask you to touch our bodies where we are here, where we are sick, or where we need healing, where even we might even need a miracle, but Father, we pray for the salvation of those who don't know you. We pray, Lord God, for that child. We pray for that grandchild. We pray for that neighbor, Lord God. We pray for that co-worker. We even pray for that person that consider us to be enemies. But, Father, we lift them up before you, Lord God, and know that you are a Savior, that your arms are always stretched wide open and to receive whoever will let them come. Lord God, and we pray, Lord God, for them, Lord. And Father, as we come today, Lord God, as we look unto you as the author to finish of our faith, Lord God. God, you have given us all assignments. God, you looked upon us, and and God, when you stamped us and you put us in this earth, Lord God, you gave us gifts and talents and told and let us loose and say, go use them. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to be used in this day, in this season, this time. Yes, Lord God, with gray hair in our heads and our steps are Lord, you called us to be used, Lord, and we thank you, Lord God. And so, God, you've given us the strength. You've given us what we need to press on to see what the end is going to be. Lord God, we don't care what CNN said or Fox News or CNBC, Lord God, and even the local forecasters and all of the newscasters. We don't care what they say, but we do care what you say. Lord God, at the end of the day, Lord God, we know what we come in place at your feet. God is going to be rendered to your ears. And God, you're going to answer them. You're going to work it out. God, you're going to God, you're going to take away the shame that has been shamed. And you can take away the pain of those who have been hurt, Lord God. You're going to take, Lord God, all of the things, Lord God, that is burdening us. You said, let us now lay us 
aside every burden and every weight that is so easily beset us and let us run this race with patience. And God, as we run this race with patience, Lord God, we look unto you as the author and finisher. We look unto you. We look unto the hears for which cometh our help. Our help cometh from you. God, your people need you in situations and circumstances. And God, in you such a loving God that you are, you hear us. You hear them. And God, we thank you for that and we praise you for that. We thank you, Lord God. Such a great God you are. God, your common fires that are burning, and you're you're lifting the you're lifting the the barriers to keep the water from the dry land, Lord. You're 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 giving heat and shelter from the the, the heat, Lord God. It's you, even as this earth, Lord God, is experiencing this great heat wave. God, you protected us in this morning, and we bless you, Lord God. Thank you for the air condition. <laughs> Thank you for the cool drink of water. <laughs> oh, bless your holy name. Thank you for that bed that you supplied that we can sleep in. Thank you, Lord God. We didn't have enough money. Thank you, Lord God, for spending the, 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 the riches turned the knob, Lord God, and opened up the blessings and poured it out the blessings and supplied all our needs. Thank you. And God, we glorify you. We thank you for the manservant that will preach to us today. We thank you for the grace anointing that is on this life. We thank you for it will be changing. Lord God, it will go out and it will not return void, but it will accomplish everything that it was sent out to do. Just as our prayers in Jesus' name. Well, there may be some things that is on your heart that I didn't get a chance to pray for this morning, but it's on your heart. You was awaiting this time. This time has come. You could talk to the Lord. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Thank God for Jesus who laid the foundation. I thank God for Jesus who opened up the way. I thank God for Jesus who leadeth us each day. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Amen. Bishop, you went back to the Kojic Church. That's down there, Ellie Willis and all them boys down there with Bishop Willis and all this. 
Yeah, yeah, I thought you would like that one. Thirty fifth Street, thirty fifth Street, Saint Andrew. Mother's mother yeah. over there hitting that jump that thigh, just jumping while she patting the feet. Yeah. Yeah, sound like one of the man AJ Jones song. Yeah. 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 Bless your heart. I appreciate the prayers. It's so beautiful. Pay attention. Pay attention to me. But before you pay attention to me, I need you to hear me. Those are the two things that I take away from the text. And from those two things, you get a plethora of ideas and a plethora of ideals. I don't know if you've noticed um, one of the struggles that has happened in the culture post-COVID is a redefining of how we operate, a restructuring of how you go to work, how you maneuver between home and work. You've noticed in many of your major cities, especially in this one, Norfolk, where we are, and subsequent cities close, there is a shifting in the downtown. Our big skyscraper office complexes are now becoming luxury apartments, multi-use facilities. We're building apartments that can also operate as offices. Some of them have floors that are what you call workspaces, where you can go downstairs and you have a severe amount of internet, high-speed internet all the accoutrements of the office right at your fingertips. Those buildings are are being succumbed by these major developments in even cities. But the other thing that you're noticing that is going up for sale other than uh, the office building, our churches are going up for sale. In this millennium, since the turn of the 21st century, some 40 million Americans have stopped going to church. The Great De-Churching is a book that's out there or it's a forthcoming book, should I say, and that book analyzes surveys of more than 7,000 Americans conducted by two political scientists in an attempt to figure out why so many Americans have left church. The authors find that religious abuse and corruption 
do play roles in pushing attendees away, but that much, a much larger shape of the people surveyed indicated that they left church for a different reason. The book suggests that the defining problem driving most people who leave is just how American life works in the 21st century. Contemporary America simply isn't set up to promote mutual care or common life. Rather, it is designed to maximize individual accomplishments as defined by professional and financial success. Such a system leaves precious little time or energy for forms of community that don't contribute to one's own professional life or as one ages, the professional prospect of one's children. Basically, either you got to make money or you got to raise some kids. The economists of the early 20th century did not foresee that work might evolve from a means of material production to the means of identity production. They failed to anticipate that for the poor and middle class, work would remain a necessity, but for the college-educated elite, it would morph into a kind of religion. People's work their passion, their dreams, their goals are their religion. It's, it's who they are. It's, it's what they do. It's what they worship. They worship their nonprofit. They worship their uh, uh, volunteering. They worship their extracurricular activities. It's all designed to push them ahead, and that's where our focus is. How do we push ahead? one problem. Then there's another problem, which is right in front of us. The problem in front of us is not that we have a healthy, sustainable society that doesn't have room for church. The problem is that many Americans have adopted a way of life that has left us lonely, anxious and uncertain of how to live in community with other people. You remember back in your day, y'all sat on the front porch with the rocking chairs. Little kids had lemonade stands on the corner. Everybody, not everybody, everybody was outside playing and enjoying life. Now front porches are more stoops. The porch is the deck on back that is surrounded by a privacy fence. Our neighbors generally come in the back door through the garage, only opening the front door for the mail, and even some don't do that because the mail goes right through the door into the house. I don't need to see who's on the front. 
I only have to deal with the people going back. The people I have let in. The people I have chosen to be in my world. That's all I got to deal with. That is what the 21st century lifestyle has created. This book, The Great Dechurching, gives a solution, gives a moment to consider that a vibrant, life-giving church requires more, not less time and energy from its members. It asks people to prioritize one another over our careers, to prioritize prayer and time reading scripture over accomplishments. Churches could model better, truer sorts of community, ones in which the hungry are fed and the weak are lifted and the proud are cast down. That is what would bring the people back to church. But there's a problem in getting to that. Because if the church is one issue, there's another issue that is going on at home. Nearly 38 million adults live alone in these states united where the share of a single-person household has reached a record high. The number of older Americans living alone is also on the rise. Nearly 16 million people aged 65 and older in the U.S. lived solo in 2022. Three times as many who lived alone in that age group in 1960. There's a reason, at least many of them, should I say, behind this shift in our society, including the economic gains women have made when they entered the workforce and changing attitudes towards marriage. Over a third of people who are getting divorced now are over the age of 50. Former Vice President Al and Tipper Gore ended after 40 years of marriage. Bill and Melinda Gates after 27 years of marriage. Jeff Bezos left his wife, or she left him. Tom Brady, wife Giselle left. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced that he and his wife were separated. We got a problem at home with relationships. Then the third problem, first at the church, then at the home, now in society. I I don't know why I did it. I I, I guess I was, I don't, I don't know. I was, I don't know why I did it. 
But I watched the Donald Trump video. I don't know why. It was one of his rallies, the one he had out in Alabama. And I watched that uh, particular rally. Thankfully for me, you would appreciate the fact that I watched one of the clip notes. I didn't watch the whole thing, just one of those that spliced together. And watching the rally, I heard him talk about his indictments. And talking about his indictments, he talked about how it was a witch hunt. You've heard the story. I don't have to, to bore you with those details. There was something triggering to me, something that caught my ear He said, all I need is one more indictment, and this election is over. And I went, huh? And then I sat there. I sat back in my chair. And I began to process all the things that I'd heard in those cliff notes. In those notes, he said every time there was an indictment, his funding went up. His donors are paying some $40 million to try his cases in court. Not Donald, his donors. His voting base is footing the bill for these indictment cases. And every time there is an indictment, so many millions of dollars pour in, so many millions of votes, a promise, his polling skyrocket to the point that he is of the impression, dare I say he has a good right to believe this, that the more they attack him, if you please, the more of a certainty he is to return to the White House. Some of you ask, what kind of a world do you live in when a man can be responsible for so much evil and yet gain so much popularity? There's only one other distinct time in history when that has happened. Sadly, or should I say, uh, uh, well, I don't know what I want to say there, but I don't believe any of us have really experienced it that much. There might be one or two people here that was born in the 30s, but by the time you really could come to consciousness and understand what was going on with Adolf, he, he, he he was already gone. 
never before, at least this close to an American society, has there ever been the idea and ideal of a dictator, at least not in modern history. And yet here we are. Hear me and pay attention. That's every time he goes to one of his rallies, every time he goes on his news network or his social network, the truth network, I think it's called. I don't know if I've been there. But he tells you to hear me. Pay attention to me. Y'all need to pay attention to what I'm saying. And the more that we try to ignore it, the more what he says comes true. That's the third point. Which brings us to the fourth point. But before I get to the fourth point, I want to bring clarity to the third point, which connects to the first point. Because point three and point one are similarly, or dare I even say, related. There was an ex-leader of an institution of higher learning sits on a mountain somewhere up near a little town you might have heard of it called Lynchburg. And he went on air one day when questioned. Now, he's the leader of the Christian faith now. He is responsible for the next generation of religious education. He went on air during the first installment of Donald Trump, and he said, listen, we're not electing a pastor-in-chief. We're electing a commander-in-chief. And all we need to worry about is not about justice. Nobody cares about that. Even less about right and wrong. You heard that when he said we're not electing a pastor-in-chief. Now, all we care about these days is winning and losing, making sure that our agenda is pushed ahead. There are many Republicans that sat in seats knowing that the the Donald Trump era was a horrid situation, but they sat there until they got their agenda through. And then once they got their agenda through, they started to retire piece by piece and left the country in a shambles. And that brings us again to the fourth point. 
nearly nine out of ten U.S. persons age 14 to 25 say they experience mental health challenges. Young Californians who rate their mental health as good or excellent fell from 54% in 2021 to 41% in 2023. While the portion of those who rate their mental health as fair or poor rose from 42% to 49 during the same period. About 40% of teens and 36% of young adults in those age groups are likely to have serious psychological distress, much higher than the 19% average in the overall population. Young people are also dealing with higher education and housing costs related to wages and have constant exposure to social media. There's always something in their face, always somebody TikToking, always somebody Instagramming, always somebody YouTubing, always somebody with an opinion on a podcast. I got to deal with tweets and Snapchat. Somebody having this view and somebody saying this opinion. It's all around me all the time. Plus, they may receive stressors, young people, on a larger scale than older generations who have experienced hardship. You've been through Vietnam. You've been through the days of civil rights. You've crossed the Edmund Pettit Bridge. You've had the fire hoses and the dogs sniffed on you. You've been in a financial instability era before. You've known and understood how to get through. But see, these young folks, these issues hit Gen Z in a different way because their sense of pessimism and lack of optimism a little bit different. Some in the older generation has had more opportunities to see something similar in the past and realize they've gotten over. They understand. They sang the song, How I Got Over. You sang it all your life. How I Got Over My Soul. Looks back in one. You know about a bright side somewhere. You know about it so good, you say it again. There's a bright side somewhere. Don't you rest until you find old folks know that. Young folks don't know about this stuff. Young folks don't know about by and by when the morning comes and all the saints will be gathered home. We'll tell the story how we overcome it. We'll understand it better. You don't know about that. Ain't got a clue. And because there is no clue, 
the stress is a little bit higher. But what I would like to submit to you for consideration is if you go back to the 60s, just sit there and take your mind back a little bit. Go back. Go back. Go back and think about when it was when you was trying to get your first job. Go back and think about when it was when you was a woman and they was looking at you funny. Go back to when you had to scrub the floors when you was only making 50 cents a day or 75 cents a week. Go back to them days. Think about back then. I think the disconnect between grandmama and grandson is grandmama has been on the other side for so long that she just might have forgot where she was feeling. You felt hurt. You felt tears. One psychologist argues the fear of how many, particularly in the African-American community, how many mental-related issues were significantly directed or significantly attached. Oh, you know we have heart attacks. Oh, you know we had rheumatism and bursitis. Oh, you know that we had certain ailments that took us out. But one psychologist is arguing today, what if the trigger for those issues were mental? And we just didn't know about it back then. Let me go back to young people, then I'm going to get on out your hair. Another reason teens and young adults are recording such high rates of mental health challenges is that they're more willing to shed the stigma around mental health. They're willing to talk about it more. Ninety-three percent of respondents use self-care to manage their mental health. Seventy-eight percent have talked to others about their mental health. And 71 percent have used self-help exercises and other resources to address their mental health. The most commonly reported mental health issues amongst surveys responded were anxiety, feeling stress, lack of motivation, feeling overwhelmed, and finally, feeling lonely. That brings me all the way back to my text. Brother David had to have been the architect. Brother David, at numerous points in his life, cried out for help. Brother David had a cry that was birthed out of his continuous moments of isolation. He found himself alone against his men when the town of Ziglag was burned. You remember 
He found himself crying when he ran from his mentor, Saul, who couldn't accept David as his successor. David was only trying to love Saul. Saul knew what was going on. All Saul had to do was just sit there and pour into David, be a mentor to him, until the clock ran out. But Saul couldn't do it, and David had to live in fear somewhere all of his life as long as Saul was around. So he cried. Then it was his own kinfolk. We saw him as the crazy shepherd boy, isolating him from the elitism of the family. David can tell you about depression. He can tell you about anxiety. He can tell you about loneliness. He can tell you about being overwhelmed. As a matter of fact, he talked about when his heart is overwhelmed. What did David do? He couldn't go to church. They were against him. The system wanted him dead, and the folks at the house thought he was crazy. So he took a moment, David did, of self-care. It said he encouraged himself. He cared for himself. And from that moment, from that need, from his understanding of protecting of his mental health, you get all of these beautiful songs. And most importantly, you get this one verse right here. Hear my cry. Hear my cry. My grandmother told me something. I, I thought she was crazy. Then my mama told me I thought she was crazy too. Then my aunt told me, and I'm like, all y'all need, need Jesus. And then I read on the internet from the white folks, and then I believed it. I was reading an article earlier today about audio journalists and writing. And it thought made me think about these songs. And I decided I wanted to spend some time in these songs because all these songs are are David's journal. It's his letters to God. His expression of his feeling. It's, it's almost as if David is in therapy. You know I know all about therapy. That's why I come to church. I told you, therapy. David is in therapy, and he takes this opportunity to share his progress in therapy, to share his concerns in therapy. He's like those millennials. They like to talk about openly their mental stresses. 
And so my, my challenge this morning, or afternoon or evening, you know, we're in the month of August. And they're calling this National Wellness Month. I was going to start talking about this on Wednesday, but, you know, the devil got in the phone, but we're thankful to the Lord that he blocked him today. But I would like to challenge you, if you would, over the next 21 days, to take a moment and not bottle all your feelings up inside, to take a moment and not talk about, how you doing? Oh, I'm just turned over to Jesus. No, you got problems. Talk about it. Don't just turn it over to Jesus. Talk about it with Jesus. Walk around your house and cuss your husband out. And in the middle of the cussing, you might realize you're just as crazy as he is. I dare say you're crazy because you married the crazy man. But in discussion, you might see some things that you didn't see before. You might hear things that you didn't hear before. Take a moment to have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about it. Tell him about the, the bills that are stacked high. Tell him about the car that won't start. Tell him about the roof that needs fixing. Tell him about the resources that you need. Tell him about them cheering you want off drugs. Tell him about them daughters that you would like to, to go to school and get a good education. Tell him. Just talk to him. Just walk around the house and talk to him. This is bothering me. I don't know how to deal with this. This is hurting me. Tell him about it. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he kindly will help me. He loves and cares for his own. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Jesus can help me. Jesus will hear me. Jesus will pay attention to me. Jesus alone. My dear grandmother. Most holy and all wise Father, we thank you this morning. We praise you and we magnify your name. And dear God, we come trusting you today, knowing God that we can put our trust in you. You say trust in you at all times, you people. 
before I go hard before him. God is a refuge for us. God help us to always remember that you told us to trust you and lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you. That you will work out every situation. Help us to trust you. Help us to know, God, that you love us. You care so much for us. Help us to realize that we cannot change situations. We cannot fix some of these situations. But, God, we can cry out to you and knowing that you will fix these situations for us. Help us to depend on you. Help us to know, God, that the load is too heavy for us, but you say cast our cares on you and that you will care for us. Help us, O oh God, to realize that you are the answer to every man's question. You are the answer to fix every situation. Nothing is too hard and nothing is too outrageous. Nothing is not impossible with you, but all things are possible with you. Help us to put our trust in you. Help us, O oh God, to know that you hear every cry. You attend to every prayer. God, we want things at one time, but God, you know the best time to fix every situation. Help us depend on you. Help us to just praise you and magnify your name, knowing, God, that you love us so much that you will work it all out. I just thank you this morning for the message that was sent to us, that we will realize that it's all about you. You are the only one who can work these things out. Help us not to fret about what somebody else is saying or what somebody else is doing, knowing, God, that all power is in your hands. We just thank you this morning. We love you this morning, God, and we praise you. And we give your name all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And I pray. Have a beautiful day and a beautiful week. God bless you.